Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, in the studio on a Thursday morning. So right as Ned was leaving yesterday, we got word that arguably one of the greatest members of the Chiefs kingdom passed away, Lynn Dawson. Um, We knew that this was probably going to happen because he had been put into hospice a a few weeks prior. Um, I got a chance. I'll never, I've met him several times over the years because he was just so approachable. He's just, he's just a guy, you know, even though he he helped that team win a Super Bowl, at the end of the day, he was a guy that would go to practice, take his pads off, throw a jacket on, cut sports stuff for that night newscast. And he just, he was down to earth, but I'll never forget the first year. I think we were an affiliate. We used to do this thing where they'd bring in all the affiliates for the Chiefs Radio Network. We'd go to Kansas City. We'd talk about stuff. We'd go to a game. And it was always a blast. And I'll never forget just him parking, watching him park his car just like a normal guy walking out. And we're just like walking into the building together, talking just like he's a normal guy. And I'm just standing there going, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to Lynn Dawson. Like he's just like, like you, it's, it's kind of like the way I kind of felt when we started working together. But then you kind of get to know the person. You're like, okay, he's like my buddy. That's it. it that's the kind of guy he was. One thing, though, that you're, uh, in a sense, it's not overlooking, but it's part of his part of his persona. Guy, yeah, he was one of us, but he was also a leader. I worked with one of his cohorts for many years, Kurt Murs, at another station, and Mersey was one of the offensive linemen. He said, make no mistake about it. He was, he was a guy, he was a teammate, and they all admired him and all that. But once it came down to being a leader of the team, this guy's word was the one that you followed. And sometimes you said, this guy's on the offensive line. We'd get a little mad at him sometimes. And uh, we'd had a little signal. The game, it didn't make a difference in the game. It's already decided, but kind of lie down a little bit. And that's what we called, watch out, Lenny. That was the watch out, Lenny play. Because it turned around, watch out, here comes the defense in. He didn't get sacked very often, but he did get sacked on occasion. He was... I knew him not well, but he broke in with KMBC in 66, and I broke in at KY3 in 67. We share a record, or did. But the fact is that he was always approachable. That's that's a very good point. But he was the leader, and he made it work. Gosh, I remember him when he was in college at Purdue. He was a big-time, all Big Ten, all this sort of thing, and setting all sorts of records. Never made it in the NFL. Got beat out in the Cleveland Browns, that was his second team, by one of South Jersey's all-time greats. And uh, this guy was a senior when I was a freshman in high school. Milt Plum. Plum went from Woodbury, New Jersey, to Penn State to the Cleveland Browns. He beat out Len Dawson for the quarterback job. That's when Len said, out of heck with this. But it's also the time that the American Football League came along. And Hank Stram, his old position coach at Purdue, said, Hey, come on over here and be with the uh, Dallas Texans. Why not? Still young, still in his 20s, could still get it done. Went to Dallas, won championships. Yes, watered down football, according to the NFL, and uh, made made the league what it was. Then along came Namath with the New York Jets, and it really began to blossom. But Dawson was right there right until the early 1970s, made the transition from Municipal Stadium to Arrowhead Stadium. 1973 NFL Man of the Year, most valuable player in the 70s Super Bowl, in the very first Super Bowl, Green Bay in Kansas City. The guy did it all, had all sorts of passing records, but I may have to be corrected on this. I'm not certain this is the case, but he may be the only 
If, if he's not the only, he's one of the very few two-time inductees into the NFL Hall of Fame, both as a player and as a broadcaster. His broadcasting expertise with the NFL Insider with Nick Bonacati, hey, that was award-winning stuff. It was great. It was one of the very first of the all-directed sports shows toward one league. And the NFL made it work, and Len Dawson made it work because he was such a good host. One of these guys, I asked him once, I said, how do you do this? How do you go from practice, a tough practice with the Chiefs, and go in and do a TV show? He said, well, I'm going to level with you. I had somebody write it for me. But I go over it, though. <laughs> I make sure everything is right. And he did that well. He had the type of personality that he could relate to the cameras. He's a quarterback. Quarterbacks are like that. They're people, uh, persons. Mahomes is one of them. You direct your whole objective toward your public, and you make them feel comfortable. And Dawson did just that. He's royalty in Kansas City. Oh, like I said, he's the biggest part of that kingdom. I mean, there's there he... he he was he he set the tone for what that team is and and part of that culture and then you know the years he did it on the radio network uh, with Mitch they were just so good together and then I mean they had such a good rapport um, and they worked well off of each other and then um, like I said I, I just I'll never forget them telling me about when I, we first got into this thing and about how he would go down to practice because they didn't make nothing in those early years of the NFL I mean they all had to have jobs and he would practice take his pads off still sweating, throw, throw a thing, throw a, a suit jacket on, go back out there, cut some stuff, maybe get a couple interviews, then take it downtown Kansas City, sit there and cut it up by film, by hand, so it would be ready for the 10 o'clock. Glad you news. mentioned that, too, because it was filmed back then. Yeah, it it's great. It just it's blows my mind. It with the, you did it with the little cutting devices that they had, and then you took this clear, we did it at KY3 all the time, clear plastic tape, sometimes glue, but the glue had a tendency to keep a lot of dust on it and dirt and all that sort of thing. So you much prefer the uh, the plastic tape. And the, it was a, kind of a glorified scotch tape. And yeah, he would oversee that. He had to because it was his work. He's one of the first of the broadcasters to uh, turn a sports announcing career from an athletic career. And he did he did that with a lot of expertise. I, I had a lot of admiration for him. He was very, very good at what he did. But over and above that, one of us. You're right about him being with uh, Mitch in the early years. And he was with Kevin Harlan before yeah. that. But the two of them worked very well together. And and Dawson was just that type of guy to be able to morph into whatever circumstance happened to call for. And hold us, of course, a different style announcer from Harlan. But, and you had to change your style to be there. Part of it was his legacy at Purdue. Purdue University has produced any number of great quarterbacks. Start, my, my first memory was a guy by the name of Dale Samuels, and Dawson followed him. And then, this won't mean anything to you, Mike, but a fellow named Bernie Allen was Purdue's quarterback in my senior year in high school and freshman year in college. Bernie Allen was a very good QB, but didn't go into the NFL, went to Major League Baseball. And he was with the Washington Senators, Minnesota Twins, New York Yankees, right up until the mid-1970s. He parlayed that career, but heck, you had Greasy, you had, well, most recently, Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. You had the guy who propelled <laughs> Jim Rome into his fame, Jim Everett. He was a Purdue quarterback. You know, calling Chrissy Everett. Yeah, oh yeah. 
That was oh, that was so that was so bogus. But, uh, and another guy who made broadcasting his career, Gary Danielson. Does it mean anything to you? Uh-uh. He's the co-announcer on the SEC broadcast. Oh yeah, okay, okay. I remember. no, 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 no. He was, about. he was Purdue. They have a number of them, and Dawson was the prototype for all these guys. Cool. Um, Lenny the Cool back there. He he never got excited in in football game. It was his personality not to. Yeah, and that it worked for him. This this is a real loss. But like I said, or like you said, I mean, you think about it. There at the time there weren't a whole lot of player turned broadcasters None. at all. And None. now you turn on ESPN or you turn on NFL Network or whatever. I'd say over 70 percent of them are all former players, man. And of those sixty to seventy, forty percent shouldn't be. Well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Uh, one more Chiefs preseason game tonight against the Packers are at Arrowhead again. Of course, they're going to definitely do a big tribute to Lenny, um, I'm sure, tonight. But uh, it should be interesting. I've been asked um, recently, probably in the last few days, what my thoughts were uh, about what Andy Reid's going to do. And I really think it's going to be the same thing we've seen for the last two games. He's going to let the first team go out there, march it down the field one time, get him out, maybe work on the run game a little bit. Let the D get some reps, but it's all going to be about depth tonight. I have to remember now, they have, I think, 34 players to cut from the team still, and that has to happen by by next Tuesday. It'll probably happen incrementally. He'll be doing it here the next couple of days, as opposed to one fell swoop. But this is the time for these guys to really make a name for themselves if they're going to try to make the team. I think Andy, like most coaches, probably has his 53-man roster already penciled in in his head. But there are some who could rise up and, and make a claim for themselves, and you do have to you do have to sign your players for depth because this is the NFL. But yeah, I agree. I think it'll be very few. Jordan Love is going to get the start for the Green Bay Packers, and he may probably play much of the game. He needs that work. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won't see any action. Uh, Mahomes maybe one set. But yeah, that'll probably be it. But it's it's a learning period. I do agree. I think they will probably. In fact, I know they will. At some kind of a pregame ceremony for the late Len Dawson. Our show here on the the cave starts at five. That's our Ozarks pregame show. Then the Chiefs pregame show from six to seven. Then the game itself seven. Probably kicking off about seven ten somewhere around there. This is it. And then Mike, I, I think I'm right on this. Seventeen idle days until they play again. Let's count it well, from the, tonight. They, they play on September 11th. And this was August the 25th. What is that? It's ding, 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 ding. 17? 17 days. Now think about that. 17 days of non-competition. They're going to have to scrimmage somewhere. Oh, on the definitely. Line. And uh, for you listener, if you're sitting at home going, you know what? Ned's, I think Ned's might be losing a step or two. Guess what? He just got that right. So he's not losing a step or nothing. My utter brilliance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he's not even that good at math. I'm All right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's always funny when uh, the schedules get announced for an upcoming season, especially in football, because they make a big deal about it. And it's, you know, it's the NFL marketing team. But in baseball, it's interesting because it happens during the previous season because there are, of course, so many games and they have to. Uh, they announced uh, next year's season. Your thoughts on that? Well, I understand what they're doing. It's been pre-planned. They knew they were going to do this a long time ago, but I'm not, I I don't know, I'm an old man. I don't like what they're doing. Everybody plays everybody else. First time in history this has happened. Every team will play every other team in the major leagues. Not just in the National American League, every team 
like the Cardinals are going to be playing the Seattle Mariners and the Los Angeles Angels and the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. It'll only be one series, but nonetheless, they are playing everybody. Well, to me, that takes away some of the mystique of the postseason, the World Series, when it never played. Yeah. There was no Teams such thing. Teams don't know each other, all that stuff. Well, the thought process has changed. It, it is a balanced schedule. That means the teams are playing less within their division and more with an, an altogether widespread. Now, that does have some merit to it. I'll tell you what this is, and I'm not being negative, but the St. Louis Cardinals this year at 70 wins. They're playing in a very weak division, very weak, maybe the weakest in all of baseball with the Pirates and the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds and people like that in there. Well, that's going to be taken away from them because they're going to have something like it's 26 or 27 less games within their division, not just the Cardinals, but everybody within their respective divisions. It's going to make it a much more balanced situation so you'll have more of an equal chance to make the playoffs than you do now. That part of it I do understand, and I like it, but ending the mystique of uh, not playing the other league. Not facing pitchers. That's the well, best. Well, pitchers yeah. is a big deal, yeah, too, it is because a big you deal. do not know them. Yeah. Anyway, it all begins. All the teams are opening up on March the 30th. Both the Royals and Cardinals will open up at home. And get this, the Royals open up with the Minnesota Twins. That's fine. American League team. The Cardinals open up with the Toronto Blue Jays. That's a team in the American League. And Toronto's pretty good, folks. Anyway, over and above all that, 162-game schedule. It is the first time they've had a balanced schedule, and it will be very interesting, historic. It's going to be historic, and, uh, you know, again, I, I also see it from the standpoint of, you know, you don't necessarily live next to your city of choice for team, right? You could be a Mariners fan down here for all, for, for all I, I mean, it's not likely, but it's possible. Then you get a chance to see your team in the area. So, not a bad thing. All right, uh, all baseball teams in Missouri played last night. Who got the wins? Well, the Cardinals did not. Chicago Cubs beat them up 7-1. to one. Gosh, this Nico Horner, who is <laughs> he is the new darling of the Chicago Cubs kid out of Stanford University. He had three hits, and the Cubs beat up on Miles Michael. It's pretty good. And the Cardinals could not respond with any kind of offense. So the Cubs get a win over the Cardinals. They play again this afternoon. Kansas City Royals and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Royals got a win 5-3 to three in this one. Springfield Cardinals, oh my, they unloaded the big bats. Got 19 hits, beat the Northwest Arkansas Naturals 18-7 to seven last night down in Springdale, Arkansas. Unfortunately, the Wichita win surge also won, so the margin is still six games. But nonetheless, had a big offensive explosion, and the Springbirds return home next weekend and this will be their final two games or two uh, week stand yep and make sure and get out and see him Ned. you have a great day and have a good show tonight for the chiefs take on the packers go chiefs